This is the Witcher podcast on TV podcast industries. We're back in the world of the Witcher with the Witcher Blood Origin episode one of Ballads, Brawlers and Bloody Blades. The elves need a story lost to time. One of the few who overcame the many. The story of the seven. This story. This story. Let me guess. A bunch of warriors join forces to fight against all odds. It has been done to death. Has it? Seven estranged warriors who come together to fight an unstoppable empire. Bring humans and monsters to the world via the conjunction of the spheres and create the very first version of a Witcher. That's been done to death. Ah. Uh, no. No, no, I've not heard that one, admittedly. Wow. That's very different. <laughs> this is really fun. You're telling me that the first version of a Witcher was a badass elf. This is really gonna piss Geralt off. All right. Why do we start? Welcome back, fellow Witchers. This is TV Podcast Industries. We're watching The Witcher Blood Origins, Episode 1 and 2. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow witches. Happy holidays. I am one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out the trio of oppressed elves, I am Chris. Welcome back, everybody. And yes, uh, happy holidays. And more specifically, happy Christmas, because this yes. uh, the episodes of Blood Origins are coming out today on Christmas Day. But we haven't left our Christmas dinner table to come and record this. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, we haven't. Uh, thankfully, uh, lovely Netflix uh, did supply us with these couple of episodes ahead of the release. So we're able to talk about them and have it ready to go for once you've watched the episodes. Exactly. Gonna be car- You're going to be carving turkey listening to our dulcet tones while you watch people carve each other up at the same time. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> I like and be mindful to keep and pay attention to your carving of your turkey in case you carve something else yes. off. <laughs> yes, keep your hands clear. Fingers. Yeah. Fingers. Yes. He's, this is a PG podcast. He is talking about his fingers. Yes. Fingers, indeed. Absolutely. Little pinkies. Back in the continent, back in the world of The Witcher for, uh, I guess it's the third year in a row now. Um, yeah, we had, yeah, uh, yeah. had season two of The Witcher, which closed out 2021. We recorded our episodes of that right at the start of the year. And we're bookending the year with another story of The Witchers, uh, this time 1,200 years before uh, the time of Geralt. Yes, yeah, still foul-mouthed, mm-hmm. still bloody. Absolutely. Uh, just missing those groans and grunts from Geralt. Yeah. Yes, and if you missed that, or if you missed any of the, of the other shows that we've covered over the course of the year, you can subscribe to the podcast on tvpodcastindustries.com or search for TV Podcast Industries on your podcast player of choice. Uh, also, if you want to send any feedback into us for The Witcher, we're going to record these in two parts. Um, for the, This is just the first two episodes, and we're going to record the, uh, the other two episodes later. Uh, if you want to send in feedback to us, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or join us over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries and share your thoughts over there on any of the episodes of The Witcher. Good stuff. Um, Shall we get into our spoiler-filled discussion about The Witcher Blood Origins episodes one and two? Yeah, yeah. we're going to start out on episode one of Ballads, Brawlers and Bloody Blades. 
I have to say, I love the alliteration. I know. The, the title names, I was like, oh my God, this is after our own heart. I was like, <laughs> you just have one guy going, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to play with this. There's going to be so much text on our uh, podcast image. It's just not true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I really wanted it. It's going to be A, B, C, and D. And it was literally, that's what I was hoping it would be. <laughs> but then they started right off with a B and I was like, all right, you're, you're, you're going straight in there. That's the way. <sighs> but with that, Derek, what are some of the episode details for episode one of Ballads, Brawlers, and Bloody Blades? Well, these are, of course, based on the book series by Andrzej Sapkowski and the game series from CD Projekt Red. Uh, the showrunner for this show is Declan DeBauer with uh, Lauren Smith-Hizrich. Uh, Lauren Smith-Hizrich, of course, the showrunner for uh, season one and two of uh, The Witcher. Um, she was also a producer on season one. Uh, we have covered her before, of course, on Daredevil, The Defenders and Umbrella Academy as well. So uh, Lauren Smith-Hizrich really... Um, we should probably take her name into the title of our podcast. <laughs> it could be the, the Lauren yeah. Smith TV podcast, maybe. <laughs> Lauren, just come and talk to us. At this point, we've covered everything you've done. Nearly. So come on. Absolutely. Come on, give us the insights. Uh, Declan DeBar is an Irish writer, uh, and he has been a writer on all the way throughout season one and season two of The Witcher as well. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Great to have him on board. Yes. And certainly will explain a lot of the foul language. I love it. <laughs> well, and all the Irish actors. At least, yes. you know. yeah, at least all the Irish, uh, Irish um, isms and uh, Irish slang and Irish cursing that's in uh, yes. certainly this first episode, uh, which was, of course, written by Declan Bauer himself. Uh, the episode was directed by Sarah Gorman and Vicky Dewson. Excellent stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of Irish names in this. Certainly is. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for The Witcher Blood Origin Episode 1? Sure. Saved from the Tamarind army by a shape-shifting, time-traveling entity, Yaskia is told of a tale of hope. 1,200 years before the time of monsters, men, and Geralt the Witcher, when seven strangers join together to fight an unstoppable empire. In the Elven Golden Era, war between the Elven kingdoms in Treya, Prissia, and Darwin has taken its toll. As the royal houses fight, so their clans protect them from assassination. But this too has taken a toll on Fjall Stonebreaker of Dog Clan, who has been banished from Zintreya, and Ayla, the Lark of Raven Clan, who has self-exiled from Prissia to pursue a different way of life. However, the king of Zintreya seeks peace with the other kingdoms, but is unaware that other forces are directed against his plan from the army and mages led by his chief sage, Balor. Using the mage Sindral's discoveries about the monoliths, Balor has tapped into other forces on other planes of existence for his own end. Meanwhile, in the far-flung region of Innisdov, Fjall and Ella find themselves imprisoned together, with no love lost between them. Fial is released as he is recalled to Dog Clan in anticipation of the forthcoming peace treaty amongst the elves. Ayla escapes her prison, but is soon met by her sister, who had sought her out to bring her back to the clan for the peace treaty. As they head back to Prissia, Ella's sister, Neve, is killed in an ambush by members of the three elven armies. As she fights for her own life, she is aided by Fial. Though they hail from warring clans, Ayla and Fjall must learn to trust one another and set out to add a third to their nascent group, Skian, the last of the Ghost Tribe and former Swordmaster for the Raven Clan. 
The great and good arrive in Zintrea to commit to peace, but the ceremony is flung into chaos with the arrival of a flying monster from beyond this world. The king of Zintrea, along with the other elven royalty, are betrayed by his own sister, the princess Merwin, and Balor, with support from the associated armies and mages of the kingdoms who still want war. Merwin is installed as a puppet empress at the head of the new Golden Empire, as Balor continues to scheme and, using the monolith, seeks personal power in the form of chaos magic from the power that resides on the other side. As word carries around the continent of the new empire, Ayla and Fiol find that their heads now have a price. Keeping a low profile, they find Skin, who agrees to join them as the Band of Two, becomes three. Well, I have to say, uh, fellow witches, yes, uh, some of the names here, mm-hmm. uh, I can cope with Darwin <laughs> uh, and Merwin, um, but yes, there are some uh, that I am struggling with. So ap- I apologize in advance for any changes in the pronunciation as we certainly as I go through this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a bit like they went through the Lord of the Rings and just went, you know what? Let's just go like four degrees a bit harder than the Lord of the Rings <laughs> yeah. pronunciation, just to really mess with a few people and separate ourselves. Well, that's it. It's like Balor. I just keep wanting to say Balor, mm-hmm. which is yeah. one of the dwarven kings, I think, yes. in, in Lord of the Rings. And so. the, the scepter Balor from uh, from um, House of the Dragon. And there's, so, uh, sorry, no, it's uh, that. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. the scepter Balor. That's yeah, what it is. As yes. Well. Yes. So uh, this is a year really of fantasy as well, isn't it? It really um, is. You know, we we mentioned we started out this year with the Witcher but we also covered uh, Lord of the Rings The Rings of Power House of the Dragon was on this year we've been watching the excellent Willow as well on uh, on Disney Plus so uh, lots and lots and lots of fantasy this year and with fantasy comes unpronounceable names uh, <laughs> brand, brand new ideas of magic you know ma- brand new ideas of how people travel across a world like the monoliths in here we also had Wheel of Time last year of course as well so, yep. uh, so so much fantasy this year and so much to learn in these new worlds and it is always difficult uh, when you sit down to a new show and you're trying to work out who each character is. I did like in this episode of The Witcher, uh, of, of Blood Arges, when we have the opening with Yaskir and the the setup of the story that we literally get every name of every major character, what clan they belong to, and where, where, where we're going to see them in the story, just as the setup, so that we can kind of write it all down and go, okay, right, we kind of know who each of these people are going to yeah. be. I thought that was a great setup. Yeah, it was. And nice to see Yaskir back. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the the whole opening of it with Yaskia. Mm-hmm. Also seeing the entity uh, that is Mini Driver yes. uh, as well. Um, just, oh, that was really cool. You know, Do you think that's how she says it on her CV when she's applying for jobs? The, en- <laughs> the entity Mini Driver. <laughs> Maybe. Very. That would actually be not bad. It's, like, it's, it's the artist formerly known as it, that is the entity. Yeah, absolutely. She, she's been quite transformative in past roles, so here she gets to play like three different characters, including yeah, Yaskier yeah. himself. <laughs> I really have a soft spot for Mini Driver, awesome, so I'm yeah. really pleased to see her um, sort of finally shape-shifting into a recognisable mini-driver, but as an elf, to deliver that kind of... um, The little temptation of the the loot on the altar, Mm -hmm. as well as the the notion that Yaskia needs to provide these these stories through song to bring hope at this time. Yeah. Um, You know, as he's 
1200 years in, in the future but i love just how it set up that mm-hmm. whole thing i no. thought it was quite nice yeah there's no no real uh, greater compliment for a bard like yaskier than saying if you write this story down this could become the most popular story in the world in, in the continent and inspire loads of elves to come back from the brink where they are at the moment in this time so uh, so i thought that was really interesting to to open up that way and also open with an awesome battle sequence right as uh, as yaskier yeah. once again uh, dodges around for his life yeah, I, I, I love this more from personally. It's the main driver as the narrator going forward, kind of mm-hmm. just in she always has that kind of audiobook kind of style to her voice. So it's, it's nice mm-hmm. to hear her. Yeah. Um, but then having this linchpin of Yaskir in the beginning, opening it going, okay, so this is why we're getting this art. Mm-hmm. It is the tale as she says, of the the birth of the witchers and more, but bringing it, locking it into what we had just seen at the end of season two and moving into season three, that he is the he is known now within the elves as uh, as it's essentially a character who is bringing the like helping getting them like through the underground railroad, mm-hmm, getting yeah. them in and out, and he is this kind of figure, and he will be known greater by this so it ties it in a point of time for those of us who've watched season two moving into season three and it gives us this additional information it's not it's not like the the animated show that Mm -hmm. we we, that we ran through which was not as connected if at really some of the same characters like one or two kind of crossed over that you could kind of point at, but like, well, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was it was really the origin of uh, of Geralt the Witcher. So uh, the, so we did yeah. have uh, some of those major characters from the Witcher side, but not any story connecting him with with Yennefer, with uh, with Ciri, and with Yasker, The other three major characters of the Witcher. So nice nice to have this as the kind of opening of the episode. And that's my my big moment is how the setup uh, of the story for episode one and how the setup of the series goes because. I also think it's a difficult thing to do when you've got this character handing over to this story um, as old as time, this this concept where this is how almost every fantasy book starts out. There is a great evil to overcome and loads of people get together uh, who shouldn't be together and then win the battle effectively. And Yasker calls that out, which is a really interesting thing to do to call out that that story's been told so many times and gets the lowdown from Mini Driver, but actually this is how um the blood of the witchers began. This is the where the story came from. And it's back at the time of the conjunction of the spheres, this moment when the world was once run by elves, which we heard about in The Witcher before, and now at this time, when Yasker is, is around, the elves are the underclass uh, of the world. So uh, humans and monsters and magic all come into the world uh, around the time of this conjunction of the spheres. So it's quite a big story that hasn't been told in the two seasons of The Witcher so far and a big kind of throwback to a time that we don't know much about at all. So, uh, so I kind of love that setup. I hope they can pay off. Uh, that's to, to what Yasker's saying here because as I say it's quite a difficult thing to have one of your characters to go this co- this story could be terrible <laughs> let's let's see how it goes um because I've heard that story so many times before so um yeah. I, I mean you're right you're right but I, I know for me I just kind of it this is not in a bad way but it it felt comfortable for me this just you know it, it's kind of like that that Robin Hood element of the band of merry men mm-hmm. getting together or, you know, a whole rake of other things. And ultimately it comes down to these 
individuals uh, that form this band ultimately. And I kind of enjoy, certainly this episode, I really enjoyed sort of being A, back in the world of The Witcher uh, with the blood and the cursing, but also just, um, you know, the, the the difference with the elves being you know effectively the the race uh, and the predominant race here you mm-hmm. see Zintrea rather than Sintra and um, all these mm-hmm. different things and even like with the the name of the mage Sindral you know you've heard that through the Witcher episodes as well in terms of his teachings mm-hmm. and so on so I <clears throat> really enjoyed all this connectivity uh, and seeing that even though the elves are you know the dominant force here um they're still at war so yeah. whether it's it's man or whether it's elves plus you get the hint at dwarves from previous times mm-hmm. that were effectively sort of taken out um and the the new this new city and palace of Zintrea uh, being built over those dwarven ruins so yeah. all, all these different layers I, I kind of just really enjoyed being back um in this world to be honest yeah. it was it was good and and feeling like learning a bit of the history mm-hmm. uh to to the witcher yeah absolutely how about yourself chris i know that you're kind of the biggest of uh fan of uh of the witcher of all of us because you uh you played all the games and you've you've, uh, you've read some books and stuff so um this i understand isn't a story that has been told in the books before it's been referenced a lot throughout the series of books back to the past but never told uh in the actual books before how, how do you think it fit in with that world of the witcher that you know from what we have watched it's fitting in great i it is as john said it, it's like a comfortable pair of shoes mm-hmm. you're kind of putting the back on it's like oh yeah this or no it's better it's very much like a flavor of ice cream mm-hmm. it's like this is a flavor of ice cream i enjoy i enjoy lots of flavors of ice cream but this is one i enjoy a lot so like while i enjoy drinks of power and i enjoy game of thrones mm-hmm. they're very different types oh, yeah. of oh yeah of kind yeah. of fantasy, like Game of Thrones is the politics one or the incest one, depending. <laughs> this is, this yeah. is very much a violent dark one. Mm, yeah. And they very much open with that and stick to it straight away. The battle at the beginning, moving quickly into the dog clan and they're swearing and mm-hmm. like they, they kind of show you that this is not the wheel of time, for example. Yeah. Which is again, one of my favorite series and kind of adaptations and everything going on. But this is much more my universe. Mm -hmm. That being said, I don't know because this is all off book for us. Mm -hmm. Literally off book. Because I'm interested to see how deep this goes in. Because there's been hints of to what this was. The creation of the first Witcher. Mm -hmm. Why it happened. Who it was. Um, and I think the whole thing is we will find out by the end. Yeah. Well, that's the promise based on what Yaskir gets promised. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like, I'm like him. I'm like, yeah, we've seen the fellowship of the seven before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You're literally telling us a very similar thing. And by the end of episode one, we've seen some of this before. We've seen the 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 politics the intrigue the the death the the a tyrant being born mm-hmm. um kind of someone turning on family yeah. all of this are there but again it's that promise of 
But this will be slightly different. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And hopefully it is. You know, again, you know, I mentioned Yaskier calling it out in the opening, but we also have Merwin calling it out as well. She's she's calling out that Zintra was built on lands taken back from yeah. the dwarves the last time there was an uprising and, and everything fell apart. And you're kind of going, well, you're going to be telling the story again so hopefully it executes uh, on, on what it's what its promise is and i do i do believe it has promise i do like you know again that that nod back to what we've seen in the witcher the machinations behind the scenes of the people who think they're in power but actually there's a lot of other people behind the scenes who are <laughs> just there with their knives out waiting to take them yeah. down so uh, so yeah. i, I kind of like that that's still there and that's that's evident from the first book and evident from uh, from the witcher series as well so yeah yeah well, that's my kind of uh, big moment from the episode is is the opening section. Chris, do you have a big moment for yourself from the episode? So for me, it's really actually just Fjall and the Lark mm-hmm. and the, the the introduction to them. That like these, I, I thought for a second that this was going to be more the Fellowship, mm-hmm. where you get time with each of them. Each of them are different. I'm you get very much by the end of episode one that you now Fjall and. The Lark are, are central characters. They are the, the crooks in between Dog Clan and Raven Clan mm-hmm. were the ones that were wiped out completely and wholly. Yeah. They are the last two members and very much like the ghost, they will soon be Ghost Clan as well because there's no one else either. Well, yeah. Um, so I, I really enjoyed the, the, the dichotomy, if you really want to call it that. The, and they set it up like, one is very a bruising, beefy kind of dog. He's the mutt. He's the hound. Mm-hmm. And the other is a lot more, the lark is supposed to be, she, well, she's the lark because she obviously, the loot and everything like that mm-hmm. tells that she is a minstrel. She is a bard. Yeah. But with a prowess and skill with knives that you've yet to see. Yeah. And you get these promises. You get the promise from, you obviously, see um Fral in the beginning with the princess um in the alleyway and then you see the lark in the tavern mm-hmm. and you get this and I was like okay you're, we're starting to see something potential and it's very much just the ambush mm-hmm. for me which really cemented oh, okay now I remember like this is bloody this is violent mm-hmm. um and yeah. like you're they're gonna get cut and hit and you're going to get some nice Action scenes, yeah. fight scenes, kind of choreography. Absolutely. Um, and it was done well. It didn't look cheesy. I, that was always going to be my fear. Mm. Like this, this potentially would not have the full budget of, for example, the actual Witcher. Right. So I was afraid they may cut some corners or kind of, and especially when you start talking about Michelle Yeoh being in it, mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, you need to really dive into the martial arts. You need to kind of really like hone in on this yeah. aspect, yeah. and they did from what I've seen so far. Absolutely, and it's something that that you know we remember from The Witcher. I think the, the there's a moment when we saw Geralt fight for the first time in one battle right at the beginning of the show, and you go, okay, well this is what this show, this is the stamp yeah. this show has on the violence, and you do see that in the opening bound uh, in the opening battle um, with Fial and uh, trying to save the princess. There are moments in that battle where you're going, okay, well this is the the violence that we've come to know from um, from uh, the Witcher, but they also have that twist on it again. Um, Fial is supposed to be the protector of the princess. By the end of the episode, you're wondering, did she ever need protecting in the first place? Because she is 
quite a manipulative type of person um, or did he push her over the edge of that violence when he handed the knife to her to protect herself while he was in the battle with her so um, you you wonder she's not exactly the uh, the maiden in distress by the end of the episode certainly no which which I did like and Lawrence of Huron as uh, as Fial excellent uh, on screen performance I really like him I talk to him almost immediately yeah, I love yeah. how he delivers his lines I love that he understands why he's been kicked out by his father from the Dodd clan you don't have sex with the princess if you're supposed to be protecting her you know as uh, well, as we hear from Ayla that is yeah. the first thing you learn you protect <laughs> don't school. screw them like, clan yeah. 101 exactly yeah. protect don't shag yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really yeah. like that but, and, and Sophia Brown as, as, uh, as Ayla she's really good again you know you're, of course expecting that uh, a minstrel that's that's going around playing in bars is also going to be massively violent in the world of the witcher so her taking out the group that tried to rape the girl in the bar effectively like that's instantly taking them all out from the stage and then continues on with her song and everybody joins in with the rest of the song um i i love that 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 you you get that power of her immediately when you meet her because these yeah. are the kind of characters you meet in this world definitely and i mean it it's to your point as well chris i mean the ambush, it, it was that moment where you get the bolt of the arrow through her sister, Neve, mm. and, um, and then a second one. And I was kind of like just taken out of it. Um, and yeah. I, I loved how it all played out. And even with, uh, Fiol coming to, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's coming to the rescue. He aided her, but not because he was helping her, just simply because she had stolen his pendant so mm-hmm. she could escape from the, the, the prison after the bar brawl and so on. So I kind of like the whole dynamic between the two of them. There is this distrust for obvious reasons. It's two clans, mm-hmm. two opposing kingdoms that, you know, have been fighting one another. And we learn more that the dog clan effectively were the ones to have wiped out Michelle Yeo's uh, or Skian's um, ghost tribe mm-hmm. um, back in the day. The, there's all, you know, you hear the lark saying how it was Fial as well that had taken in in, in a battle one of her other sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, so I, I kind of like this. I like the fact that though, you know, in a sense, what softens all of that um, is when they recognise that their their potential assassins have all got the sort of army tattoos from all or and the the weapons mm-hmm. or or whatever from the three different kingdoms, so that there's actually three sets of enemies here that. Mm-hmm have come to assassinate them and they've yeah. both been asked to come back for this peace treaty so i kind of liked how that kind of mm. that realization that there's something fishy going on kind of ultimately bands them together in that moment yeah. um which i thought was good agreed like there there's going to be i think it's going to end up very much by the end of it the narrator literally goes and then there was three we're going to get to, and then there was seven. Yeah, yeah, very quickly. <laughs> we know it's coming, and then there was none, mm. um, well, yeah. which is going to be the <laughs> the fun one. Uh-huh. But I, I think, um, for me, it it, it was it, it's the character dynamic that that you get in a lot of these shows where there is that distrust, mm-hmm. where it's the the two main protagonists kind of don't have like each other, but are working together. Like he he's a cop. 
and he she's a robber and they're gonna have to work together to solve this crime <laughs> you got that distrust it's yeah. been going for years yeah. and you've got that but what they've done well is they've chosen two actors who do actually portray their roles well mm-hmm. and are actually quite competent at it yeah. and the accents aren't terrible actually at all they're, for them they're really, good. Yeah. they're really good for what they're doing so yeah. you're not getting this you're not getting an American trying to do an Irish accent, mm-hmm. which was my fear for a few minutes. Yeah. Or or someone like from America trying to do a, a posh British accent. <laughs> you knew. <laughs> oh, no, diddly do. We need to go skipperine and change this thing. <laughs> like, it's go. That was my fear with always some of this when you start getting into high fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have that. So you get these two strong characters yeah well we've just come off rigs of power where an entire race of people on that um the harfies are all supposed to be irish and all have irish accents and lenny henry plays one of the characters on there and we did say it's quite distracting hearing people put on irish accents who clearly aren't irish so when you <laughs> when you hear someone like Lawrence of where on in here who is clearly irish has irish history and is speaking the kind of phrases that you'd hear on a dublin street or on a cork street you can absolutely uh, hear the difference between the two. Yes, so, absolutely. Um, like you know, there's there's a couple of uh, a couple of great little uh, little Irishisms in there. I think my favourite is probably uh, when his father's walking with his sister down the hallway, going, "Oh, all these people in here, they couldn't even organise a ride in the brothel," um, yeah. which is something you just wouldn't hear outside of Ireland. Almost going to institute what we did for for uh, Pennyworth, where we would translate the, the Irish <laughs> phrases for uh, for listeners from the US. But uh, but I don't think it was necessary. I think you got the intent from yeah. what they're saying. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> no, I mean, they're really good, the two of them. They work really yeah. well together. Yeah. Uh, again, it is that contrast, you know, the beefy hunk and, mm-hmm. and the sort of graceful, um, almost dancer, you know, yeah. in yes, that exactly. sense. Um, and I think as well, what even sort of makes that even more apparent is, you know, because speaking of fights, you know, the skins fight with them at the end of this mm-hmm. is yes. great. I love that. She's just using the hilt of the sword yeah. that has been taken and is is held as a prize in in Sintrea. Um, but it, it's also just the fact that you know they've come to try and recruit her. It's basically a no. She generates this argument where they attack her so that she can assess their qualities, exactly. and it yeah. was just really really nicely played. I, I really thought this was fantastic, yeah. and I mean just. Yeah, Michelle Yeo, I just can't get enough of at uh, the moment. It's been such a great year for this year after yeah. a number of great years before that. Uh, great to see her back on the screen again uh, after everything, everywhere, all at once, which is uh, one of the best movies of the year. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's a the moment where she just kicks up some of the black sand into mm-hmm. the face. It's just really well yeah. sort of executed yeah. and choreographed um, th- this whole sequence. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, really enjoyed that. I do have one question about the story in here that I was wondering about. <laughs> okay. Just one. I wasn't, I was going to get to that later, but yeah, let's, let's <laughs> jump in some of these away. questions. It now. might not be the same question. It might not be the same question, okay. but, um, Fial is imprisoned. Um, he's broken out of prison because someone's bought him out. And then he's asked to come back to the city for the treaty. Yes. Yeah. And the Lark is also met by her sister at the same time and asked to come back to Zentrea for the peace treaty yes and then they're both attacked by the combined armies who tried to kill them as well my question about it is was the invite to get them back to the city to kill them in the city 
followed by the assassins going out to take them all out when Fial refuses effectively. It all happens in such quick succession that I can't work out whether both of those were plots to get them killed or one was actually you know, an invite telling them to come back to the city. Because it felt like, particularly with Fial being excommunicated from the dog clan, that he was never going to be allowed back. And it felt like quite a quick resolution to that if he was actually being invited back to the city. I felt like he was, someone had gotten a way in to get him back to the city to kill him. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's also I mean? that he's approached by a cousin as well, isn't mm. he? So whether they've paid the the bail effectively on yeah. on his um, on his imprisonment so that they can release him, but I mean, in a sense, I didn't even think that the assassins were going after him. So that they was were, the confusing yeah. thing for me. It was that they were going after the lark. Mm. Um, and but even she's so, invited back by her sister by yeah, Eve so to I, come back to their plan. Yeah, exactly. So, to my mind, I felt because she wasn't banished from the 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 Raven Clan, mm-hmm. it felt like they were asking her back. Just the way that conversation went, and it's mm-hmm. only from uh, the fact that uh, the Lark experiences this this vision from the young girl from the the inn mm-hmm. that she's then because she talks about destiny and, and the yeah. peace treaty and, and so on you know that she kind of takes up and um, then her her sister's uh, offer. Neve's offer mm-hmm. but then it seems like they are ambushed so to me the ambush was just for the Raven clan. Okay. I have a feeling that maybe for Fjall, it was genuine mm-hmm. that he was coming back and being released because... And given that the clans are wiped out, I get that. They, yeah. they probably didn't have any reason and, to suspect But maybe it. Yeah. there was some kind of assassination attempt going to be on the road back mm. to uh, Zintreya, which, of course, we don't see because he intervenes to... Yeah to um kill the assassins so that's what i think Mm -hmm. but it's just then actually because um baylor then says about the attempts on both of them had failed or there's a conversation with him and the one of the chiefs of the army uh eridin i think Mm -hmm. and he talks about that, and I'm just one. So I wasn't entirely clear around that as well, yeah. but that's how I've rationalised it in my mind. Excellent, excellent. Whether that's right, I don't know. Yeah. But I took it as it was basically they they were attempting to do both. Mm. They were literally it's like, okay, we're going to ask you back if you both say yes, we're going to get you there. Mm. But if we can get you before, great, because we know that. Fial will come running for the princess and the Lark would come running if her clan and her family are killed too. Mm. So let's wipe out all of the clans, the warriors. Yeah. Um, this this is my one thing and I'll, I'll get into it very, very quickly. This episode goes fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We'll talk about our discussion of episode two later in, in part two. Mm-hmm. But like, they definitely, this is a totally a four- um, episode limited run miniseries, whatever you want to call it. Um, and they do jump really, really quick, and that's fine because it does allow it. It the whole thing is that you'll do some creative leaps in your head just to kind of bridge over some of these gaps. Mm-hmm. Some of them, though, that was one for me. I was like, when you critically go back and go, wait, hold on, yeah, 
So, like, yeah. where were they supposed to be killed? And yeah. wait, hold on, how did they 100% when all the clans are killed? What about if someone was in the bathroom? Mm-hmm. Like, literally, someone, you gotta go, like, the guy, like, what about the two, two, the two lads who are just on, like, guard duty looking after the horses? They didn't show, like, an assassination of the, like, all these other people running around and just slitting a few other throats. Right. You could have, with that one scene, you could have then said, okay, this is how yeah. they, the night of blood, but they just had, like everyone in one room, and that's apparently the end of it. Yeah. Well, right? it's taking out the power structure, isn't it? So that's yeah. and you're right. It's the leap on a four episode mm-hmm. miniseries is yes, they probably the the clan guards, those looking after the horses at the stables or whatever, <laughs> would also then have to just be taken out. Yeah. Because yeah. again, it, it was to that point. Actually, you would want the lark or fiol to be at that ceremony if that's what they were looking to do mm-hmm. because that monster was pretty weaponized pretty indestructible <laughs> so um blood dust yeah exactly blood dust. <laughs> blood dust and none of their weapons were were working yeah. uh, on it so it was pretty armored pretty indestructible mm-hmm. to be honest um so you you do wonder but i think you do hear sort of some of that to some extent around you know in having the single empire growing out of the the three, mm-hmm. um, the the merging of the three armies from Zintrea, Parisia, and Darwin, um, not all the the soldiers have just accepted it. Yeah. There's been more desertion, so I think you get a hint of it, but not so much with the clans, like yeah. like you say, yeah, yeah. The, the, the clans do seem quite easy to wipe out. We've heard about the ghost <laughs> clan are dead, and now the raven clan, and now the dog clan are all dead. So And serpent clan. So, serpent clan's gone. Yeah, serpent go. clan as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, uh, so you don't really know how many members of the clan there are. It seems <laughs> like there's only about four or five people, it seems. Uh, it's a small family. It's, a small family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's not a clan, it's a family. <laughs> it's like you can fit them in a semi-detached. There you go. I was thinking of it more like the clans were like, say the spartans you know mm. kind of just bred or yeah. you know the traditions are all about fighting protection and so on so yeah. and it's almost like this hereditary sort of royal protection yeah. guard yeah and not sleeping with the princess and not sleeping yeah, that's with the, the ultimate one. Uh, so i think i think that's your major point for the episode chris about Lark and, and mine obviously the opening of the episode and john how about yourself what's your big moment from the episode anything we haven't talked about that you want to discuss uh, mine is chief sage balor mm-hmm. um because i absolutely loved lenny henry uh playing an evil machiavellian sage i just really really enjoyed it yeah, i mean like good, i think yeah. you know for his you know for context for some history you know, grew up watching lenny henry as a comedian mm-hmm. and his work on comic relief and so on as well I know, like, and I know he's done serious stuff. You know, he he voiced one of the um, CGI characters in The Sandman. Mm-hmm. He was uh, in Rings of Power. Yep. You know, he's played Othello on stage. But I absolutely just enjoyed um, this evil Machiavellian uh, chip on the shoulder about being lowborn, sort of sage, and just the the machinations that he goes you know even the fact that you know we see him sort of um 
he says how he's learned to tear the veils between the worlds, and then actually you find that it's the mage Sindral that he has imprisoned, mm. that mm-hmm. he's using his work, his discoveries about the opening of these veils through the monoliths. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the end, um, you know, this 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 peace treaty that the King of Zintreo wants to do to end these, you know, thousands year of war, war after war after war. And he's able to bring together, you know, the 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 armies of these different kingdoms and their mages mm-hmm. because they still want to conquer and they'll conquer through these veils and you know so it's this warmonger i just really enjoyed how you know he's the he's the the assassination attempts uh that we see fiol um saving uh merwin uh, at the start he's behind those and he effectively gets merwin to betray her own brother Mm -hmm. the king um and I, you know, but in the end, effectively, you know, puts her up as a puppet. And I just loved, um, I, I love that scene where she's there, that, you know, the adulation of the crowd after the bloody event. Yeah. And she's wanting to race down and see her people. Yeah. And it's like all the guards just close in. It's mm-hmm. like, no, you stay there. And actually, you're not going to leave this palace. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's just really, so well done, I think. Um, just the, the pure horrificness of it all. But despite all of this, you know, he is looking then for more. He, he feels vulnerable. I mean, he's just effectively pulled off a coup d'etat mm-hmm. with, you know, an indestructible monster from a different, uh, world. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I suppose that's one of the things with The Witcher, the show, we've seen him hunt down loads of monsters. This is the first monster they've ever seen in the continent that's come yeah. through. And like, that must be terrifying. And exactly. what it's, and the way it's just destroyed everything in front of it, just turning everybody <laughs> to blood dust, as you, as you guys were saying. Interestingly, though, I was there going, has Balor, actually just done what the king was going to do but effectively you know he he's pulled the three kingdoms together Mm. through monstrous force rather than conciliation and marrying off his sister yes um and i think that's kind of like really interesting but the big difference is with balor in the lead not uh, not with the king in charge exactly but i love that even despite that he's worried about his position you know, it, it's that mm. notion of the the authoritarian or the you know the emperor or or the person in charge even though he is king of all these surveys he can't be the public face because he's lowborn so mm. he has to put it to the empress he's still worried about you know counter coups or whatever from the army or the mages or royalty because he is of lowborn status and mm-hmm. so Despite all of that, you know, he's back through the veil using the monoliths to personally get more power. And I just love the fact that then he goes looking for more through the veil mm. for himself, not for um, sort of enacting uh, something in the world. It's for himself. He He's yeah. looking for more power, um, more magic uh, because of this lowborn status. So I... I found this really, I, I loved the character. I mm-hmm. thought it was just really so good just by the pure dastardliness of, of the character. And uh, as I say, 
it was really great seeing Lenny Henry um, doing that role, even yeah. though he's probably done loads of those. I've just not never seen them before, but yeah. I, I really enjoyed uh, him him doing this. I think we are going through a, a Lenny-sance at the moment. Um, you know, look, it was it was really interesting. He was being interviewed on uh, on Graham Norton last week, wasn't it? Where he yeah. was talking about the two books that he has coming exactly. out of Christmas: a kid's book and, and a second biography. And you're there going, and nobody's even asked any questions about the Lord of the Rings, one of the biggest shows of the year, <laughs> and the upcoming Witcher show, which is coming out in two weeks' time. You know, uh, nobody's even asked about those two things. They should be massive. And given his role here, he's quite central. It seems he's he's quite a big character. Yeah. You know, if you compare what what he's doing right here to what we've seen in the world of Witcher twelve hundred years before late later, you're almost saying this could be. Balor. He could be the one that has started it all. If it wasn't for him, monsters may not have gotten through to the continent. Um, the elves would have still been in power and not been destroyed and become the the underground uh, characters that they are in uh, in the later show. So Balor seems to be quite a central character here, and he's really good. I really Definitely. I think the other thing as well, you know, mentioned about Yaskia, in a sense, breaking that veil between the Witcher episodes mm. and, and then this. But I love the fact that with the failed assassination attempt on the two, the the Lark and Fjol, mm-hmm. he says that's a heroic folk tale that's bound, to, that's just waiting to be told. Yes. <laughs> In a sense, <laughs> the whole thing around the Witcher being this, the folklore and everything around that, how it was written, you know, from mm-hmm. uh, Polish folklore and modified in that way. Yeah. I just love how he kind of makes that reference, you know, just kill them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Before Get them that killed, story gets Before out the yeah. story gains traction and <laughs> yeah. power. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That your, your major point. I think that's all of our three major points, uh, from the episode. Any notes? Anything else you want to call out from the episode? No, there, there is a few, there, there's the odd name here or there that is either kind of like central and kind of then the, 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 the prophecies and things like that that do tie back. Directly back to 1,200 years later when we're used to this. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely nods and winks. How much of those nods and winks from episode one that will come up into episodes one, two, three, four, and then into the series? Mm. I won't know till the end. Yeah. But there's definitely, there's definitely one or two where you're like, oh, that's the same person or the same thing or the same thing that we know of, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah. Um, I think. My only note is just Princess Merwin, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, I guess it's still to play out, but there's a real predestinate, predestined element to her character. You know, she's mm-hmm. talking about the cyclical nature of history that we're bound to repeat that. There's the, the comets overhead in the sky. Um, and it's very much almost as though she's being persuaded to, um, betray her own brother and this, this peace treaty. Uh, because it's not written in in the books that she's mm-hmm. she's reading. So I'll, yep. so I, there's more to I think to understand from this character uh, for sure. Um, at the moment, she looks pretty caged in as this puppet empress yeah. uh, for for Balor. But the, there's something that you know that is suggesting to me that she knows how things are going to go in mm-hmm. a sense because of having done all the research beforehand with a lot of book reading. Well, yes. Absolutely. But she gets, uh, you know, she kind of gets slagged off all by her brother. I'm just like, 
ah, now hang on a sec. <laughs> they wonder she like wanted him out of the way. Well, absolutely. Uh, and also because he was trying to marry her off. So yes. again, yeah, there was that side of it <laughs> well, as well. I think I think that was the prevailing issue versus the slagging. <laughs> maybe not. She's got a weak skin. Who I knows? think it all just built up, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it was one slag too many. Yeah, exactly. In the end, it was that final taunt from her brother that just pushed her over the edge and certainly when he had just basically married her off uh, to um, the king of Prissia yeah, without yeah. asking her. Because she's there going, I want to be your advisor. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. she has these notions of being like a sage. I mean, even yeah. Balor is, I'm no longer the chief advisor yeah. um, to the king. Exactly. He takes his own counsel. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting yeah. one with their story, isn't it? Because you know, there's this this phrase that we talk about all the time of if we don't respect history, if we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. And almost what she's saying here is, I'm going to learn from history on how to repeat it. It's, it's, you know, yeah. how we can destroy our <laughs> exactly. entire society. It's a, it's an odd an odd character trait from her, but uh, but she's a very interesting character. As I say, kind of you you thought from that opening moment of the episode, you thought she's the damsel in distress being protected by big strong fial, but of course by the end of the episode a very different character that we see on screen so good stuff and the episode closing out with the creation of this uh, this group of uh, of three but definitely won't be enough we've already been told there's seven so i guess we're gonna pick up some other uh, other people along the way we, we gotta find four more yes exactly, <laughs> exactly exactly uh so john overall what did you think of the first episode of the witcher blood origin yeah i i just really enjoyed it um i kind of got into it very quickly i think it's a nice I think simple tale. I mean, yeah. I think as we've been saying, you know, it's kind of count down till we get the seven, yeah. see how they play out. Um so I, I kinda enjoyed enjoyed this. I'd give it four and a half black roses out of five, uh, for me. I just I got the characters really quickly. Mm-hmm. I liked their interaction, you know, as Chris said, four episodes, they've got a lot to do in that. Some of it may require leaps of uh, faith mm-hmm. or imagination and um, others you know if it's done well enough um hopefully the, the the that leap of faith isn't too big so that um <laughs> you fall down the <laughs> you fall Chasm. down the cliff face. Yeah, exactly <laughs> the, the abyss you know into the abyss and um, because i think that's where it will unravel being a four episode and um, but i i really enjoyed the characters here i loved it opening on yaskia i wasn't expecting that uh loved Balor, um played by lenny henry and i think the two main protagonists here uh, along with michelle yo mm-hmm. um i just thought they were really really good and the the fight scenes were i just lapped them up they felt really well choreographed mm-hmm. um so yeah Four and a half black roses out of five for me. Excellent. How about you, Chris? How do you how are you liking the return to the continent? I'm I, I'm happy we're back. Um my only problem per se is the, the, the speed of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because we're on that we're we're jumping things we're jumping point to point to point to point mm-hmm. in the story, and I think that's kind of the my only qualm. If you want to call it that, it's not even a qualm. I'll know more by the end of the fourth episode uh, if there is a overall issue with how we are jumping and how fast we're moving. Um, but 
enjoyed some of the key aspects, enjoyed the storyline it's setting up by this first episode, the end of this first episode. Excellent. Um, and looking forward to that kind of 20-minute battle in episode four where it's just going to be nothing but swords and magic and things like that. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm hoping we get to. Excellent. But you'd like a few side quests uh, to take you 30 or 40 hours between main missions is what you'd like. <laughs> exactly. I'd, li- I'd literally like a bit more kind of about the characters, a bit more depth, and yeah. just even a bit more like a, a, a 10 second, five second scene, 30 second scene, mm-hmm. just kind of giving a bit more depth to each of the worlds and each of the people, I think will just would have laid it up more. But I understand right. probably, I think I understand why they're doing it. Okay. I just don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. I think the excellent Andor might have spoiled you now, Chris. It, oh, that <laughs> ending. Oh, oh that yeah. ending. That entire show. Oh, excellent. That season. Anyway, yeah. anyway. <laughs> Derek, what about yourself? Overall, love this as an intro. Yeah, it was re- really, really good. Again, starting out with Yasker and going into to the past, I, I do love the setup of, of this being a story being told to him to share back into the world. I love the connections to what we know from The Witcher, even uh, just a cursory thought about those first two seasons and how this story being such a big moment in the history of the continent. Um, I, I love just... just Trying to pick that out, uh, that, that was really good as that, as that first episode. Loads of new characters, a whole new world, places that we thought we um, had seen before uh, coming in and being completely different to the way that we've seen them in, in the world of The Witcher as well. Was, uh, is always really interesting for a, for a prequel show. But I think it's standing on its own as well. It's a, it seems like it's a good kickoff for a new adventure, um, which I'm looking forward to, especially with this cast. Good stuff. Excellent. That's it for our discussion about episode one of The Witcher Blood Origin of Ballads, Brawlers and Bloody Blades. If you want to share your thoughts about the first episode, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. And if you want to continue on with our thoughts about The Witcher Blood Origin episode two, you should be able to find the podcast in our main podcast feed right now. Uh, Just search TV Podcast Industries and you'll see it there. Bye. (laughs) 